Good morning, everybody, to another episode of the Seamless Connection podcast. I have with me today Joanne Mitzel from Banner Aetna. She's the Chief Operating Officer um, and has been with both Banner and Aetna for a number of years in a number of different roles. Um, I'm, su I'm super excited to have her with me today. I'm going to let her introduce herself with her rich background and history, both on the professional side as well as her um, many interests outside of work, and then happy to dive in. Joanne? Thank you for having me, Mina. So um, yes, Joanne Mizell. I am currently with Banner Aetna. We're a joint venture between uh, Banner Health, uh, a large health system in Arizona, and Aetna. And um, I've really been in this industry my entire life, it feels like. Uh, even starting back when I was in high school, I had a part-time job working for a health payer. A uh, lot of change in that period of time, a lot of complexity and a lot of improvements. And I have really uh, seen, seen so much growth in the industry and in, in you know, networks being added and in the, uh, the way that payers interact more with members beyond submitting claims and processing bills. So um, it's, it's gotten really complicated. And, and I think my, my passion is really around finding ways using my knowledge, the industry to, um, to make it better. Um, and, and if we can start making it better at, at our company, then others will follow as well. And how do you define better? I know everyone has all their different complaints. Healthcare has, <laughs> has all its warts, uh, as we all know. Um, you know, from your perspective, what are the biggest pain points and, and where do you think the biggest opportunities are to make things better? There's so many areas. So it, it, it is better. Um, the coverage is better. There's uh, more, more provided right now. But when I say better, I'm thinking about the member experience, so uh, which is also the patient experience. Uh, and the biggest thing to tackle is while there's so much improvements and technology and better care available, it's really confusing, and it's it, and it's hard to make it not confusing. And that's that's kind of my my challenge and what I am very interested in is figuring out. How do we make it easier for members to understand what they have available to them at the right time when they need it and um, and not feel like it's, you know, big brother, but it's actually someone trying to help them. So that's that's it. It's kind of taking away some of the mystery and some of the confusion in interacting with the, the complex health system. Yep. And you had left Aetna earlier and you came back to to take on this new role and this new challenge. Um, if you don't mind me asking, why did you leave earlier? And, you know, I think we heard a little bit about why you came back, but is yes. that related to why you left? And then kind of what, yeah. what is your hope for, for what you do as you come back now? Yeah, yeah. Great, great question. I did. Uh, I retired from Aetna in 2011 and um, had, a, had a great career and was fortunate to be able to do that at a, a relatively young age. Um, realized I wasn't ready for retirement and did some other things in, in our industry and got involved in some community and, and affairs uh, areas as well and, and really expanded beyond, beyond that. Um, but, and, and I wouldn't have gone back to Aetna. Um, it's, Banner Aetna, the joint venture that that lured me back in. 
um, you know, Aetna is a really big company and has so much to offer. Uh, but when you have a really big company, it's hard to implement change. It's hard to, to really make quick improvements and to test things out. And the benefit of Banner Aetna, which is half owned by Aetna and half owned by Banner Health, is that we are a separate company. So not a subsidiary of either. We're a, a separate company, separately licensed. And, uh, you know, we've been charged by both of our owners to uh, simplify and make the healthcare experience easier and better and more affordable for members. So that appealed to me uh, in I've done, you know, work with uh, homeless in, in our area um, is, is another passion, helping folks that really um, are underserved and, um, you know, realizing that even if you have really good coverage, it's confusing and you might not use it. And, um, and, and for those who don't, a lot of times it's because it's too expensive. So I, I saw the opportunity and, and was given a lot of, um, flexibility in how to create change. And uh, we have the support of both owner companies. And it's been something that we have uh, really focused on every single day. So it's how do we make member experience better? How do we make things better and better means easier to use and more affordable for members? No, that's great. If you think about uh, how it works from a patient perspective, it sounds like, and that's kind of what you're kind of immersing yourself in every day. Is that from an employer, employed patient perspective? Is that just kind of your average patient? Is that a rural patient that maybe isn't in Phoenix or, you know, made Flagstaff a major city, but maybe a couple hours away or maybe on a reservation? I don't know if you guys actually cover, you know, which geographic areas you cover, but I know Arizona has a lot of dense areas, but it also has quite a bit of rural areas. And, right. and that's, um, I mean, from my perspective, covering hospitals cross country, they're, they're like night and day, right? So you, you get the same solution doesn't work in both. So I'm curious how you meet that challenge and how you think about, you know, the different patient populations there. Right. We, when, when I started with the company five years ago, we did work with employer groups in Arizona and we are statewide. So uh, we do cover the entire state. In 2022, uh, January 1st of 2022, we did also um, enter the individual um, healthcare marketplace. And uh, so are working directly with members that are uh, individuals and families as well. And that gets into some of the more you know, underserved areas. And uh, we're in a couple of rural markets as well currently with our individual product, as well as our, our bigger product for employers. And, uh, and yeah, you're, you're right uh, that there's a lot of rural areas where it's hard to access care uh, because you don't have access to big systems. But, you know, I think one thing that we saw during the pandemic was um, we had to kind of pivot to more virtual care and more telemedicine and, um, and, and reaching, having health systems reach uh, patients in a way where they're not seeing them face-to-face -face and they're not um, in, in the same location. And I, I really think that that's, um, if there's anything good to come out of the pandemic, that was something very positive that, um, that new, out of necessity, new ways of interacting with patients were created that now created a, um, a, a pathway 
to doing more and more. And by, by that, I mean, you know, things like if you're out in a rural community and you need to um, get follow-up care for your diabetes, um, a lot of that is really getting your blood work and having a conversation with your physician. Um, and so much of that now we realize can be done virtually. So uh, you don't have to just get the guy that's held up a sign down the street and says, I'm now your doctor because I'm local. You can really use a uh, providers anywhere. So I, I think that's really opened and, and blurred some of the, uh, the, the boundaries, the geographic boundaries. Can you talk me through, um, so personally, I, I'm here in Northern California, I'm part of Kaiser. So for me, when I, in talking about kind of smoothing the way, it's it's kind of the the, uh, the dummies guide to healthcare. I log into my kp.org, I pick which appointment I want, it shows me the appointments, I click book and I'm done, right? So to your point, it's very easy. I can't mess up even if I wanted to. And I know that that's probably, you know, that ease of simplicity is probably what you're shooting for for all your patients. Yes all your members, how, what are the biggest barriers that say, can you walk me through what it's like today versus what you want to get to? What would be your ideal? Like, let's say I'm a patient and I, I want to be that, I'm that diabetic patient you just talked about. And I feel like maybe my sugar is out of control. What would I have to go through today to get tested, get treatment, get, get counseling, get nutrition services, whatever is involved with that yeah. versus what would be your vision for how to do it? Yeah. Right? So, um, that, that's a perfect question. Thank you for asking, because we have we have actually have found the solution to that no matter where you live. Um, if you have Internet connection, we have a solution. And we did implement uh, last year in 2022 a diabetes reversal program through a, a vendor. Verda is the vendor. And uh, it's essentially except for going and getting your blood drawn, it's all done virtually. And it is such a powerful program um, that it, it's not about controlling your diabetes, it's about reversing it, which we now know is possible. Uh, we, we, uh, we see our members reducing their A1C, we see them losing weight, we see them coming off medications, um, not just reducing their doses, but coming off diabetic medications. And that program is, uh, has just been a, a godsend to so many of our members. And we actually have them frequently come to us when we, when we are uh, at meetings and, and presentations and say, this changed my life because I, I now feel like I have a future. Um, and, and it's my future is not diabetes. So that, that is one way that we have uh, used you know, no, no barriers based on geography to, to address a, a chronic, serious chronic condition like diabetes. Oh, that's fantastic. And, and is that something that a patient is directed to based on their medical record or something when they sign up or they have to opt into it? How does, to your point mm -hmm. of, of making it easy to get care, how do they know that this is a tool mm -hmm. available to them? We tell all our members about the program and how to reach us if they um, are, they or a family member have type two diabetes. Uh, but we do also, once we know that someone has type 2 diabetes, which is easy to, to tell from their prescription drugs, right, insulin and so forth, um, we do reach out to them, tell them about the program, and um, 
and the benefits of the program to bring them in. And that's where we probably get most of our um, enrollment is when we actually make that outreach and say, hey, this is a program we think will benefit you and it doesn't cost anything. Another benefit, you know, a barrier to care is cost, out-of-pocket cost. It costs them not a single penny beyond, you know, what they're paying for their premium to participate in the program. Oh, that's fantastic. That I, I didn't know actually that was part of it. That's, yes. that's such a great option. Um, is, do you see the potential for this? So this is bringing virtual care to have a huge impact on a specific sub-segment of your population. Do you see other, or I guess not do you see, what other opportunities do you see in terms of other chronic conditions or other specialty areas, whether um, it, it could be, you know, long-term, I don't know if dementia or, you know, um, Alzheimer's is one, you know, that's a huge cost area and a huge talking um, point for a lot of people these days as the population ages. Um, cardiac conditions, mm -hmm. you know, end-stage renal disease and chronic kidney disease, um, but there's lots of others. So I'm wondering if this is this is kind of the tip of the iceberg for you in terms of the disease indication you perhaps started with, or if there's already others you've rolled out or that you're looking at to to approach virtually for your member population. Yeah. So we also uh, use a a lot of virtual outreach and virtual treatment for um, emotional and and uh, mental well-being services. Uh, there's, there's, it's really hard. There's a growing need and, uh, there, there, it's hard to get appointments. Um, there's just not enough, uh, practitioners, um, when you have to make an appointment and go there and, and, uh, have a, uh, wait for someone to get the same person every time virtually, if it doesn't matter where they live in the country and they can treat you, um, we have implemented about 12 different options for our members to have virtual uh, mental well-being services from depression to adolescent issues to eating disorders and um, even uh, those who uh, intend to harm themselves. So uh, we, we have connected people that way and that's a really big need. Another one that really grew in the, during the pandemic uh, and we think that virtually is a way that people feel comfortable making those connections. Um, so that's that, that's a big one for us. The very first one we did was for just primary care. Um, we do offer, again, getting at trying to keep costs low for members. So you're paying a premium. We want as much as possible to have you not have to pay unless there's something serious going on. So our virtual care um, process is text-based, it's on-demand, and it's free. So um, you don't have to get out your, your, uh, your credit card to have a visit. You just have it on your phone. You have your visit. The doctor can send prescriptions to your pharmacy. They can send lab orders, um, call you back in. And it's really a nice, um, a nice way to supplement the, um, the in in-person care when when you have geographic boundaries or or uh, cost boundaries as well. And I have to admit curiosity from a physician perspective, given I'm the head of the of, of for a medical group here. Um, how does that work from the physician side of things, right? So it's no cost to the patient, um, but how is it make how is it sustainable economically from a physician perspective? Because one of the issues we've seen um, again across uh, multiple hospital settings and clinics is during the pandemic, a lot of um, a lot of needs were met in a non-sustainable manner, if you will, right? Um, and to make sure, that, and we all know that margins are terrible in healthcare, especially in the hospital setting and for physician uh, clinic settings. So 
how how does that make sense or how can we make it a sustainable option for physicians so to, for example to attract we know psychiatry as you mentioned um it's a really hard field to recruit in even for us right as, as a group um and part of and it's really hard field in particular to have physicians accept insurance for um and so versus a cash pay situation so which is a, a sad state of affairs but also contributing to the access problem that you right. mentioned um is, do you have any thoughts there in terms of both what's causing the issues and also potentially how we make it work for the physicians as well as the patients? I, I think, well, let, let me answer that in two ways. So our, our solution, our uh, virtual care solution that I just mentioned, that's no cost to members, um, it's, there is a cost to us as the payer. So we pay for the service. We just have... Um, created an, an environment and partnered with an organization, 98.6 is who we use, that, that also aligns with our belief that people should have access to primary care without money being a barrier and the cost being a barrier. So um, through that relationship, we pay uh, the vendor. The vendor uh, employs the physicians, so it's not contracted, they employ the physicians. And uh, and so our members, when they access this care, they're able to do it at no cost to them. So that's that's how, how we do that. And then just, I think, the bigger picture around some of the other services, um, behavioral health is not part of that. That's primary care, and, and there is you know cost to that. But I think that the more we see virtual um, visits taking place, these providers aren't going to have a need to have brick and mortar um, to see their patients. And that's a really big cost, right? Um, and the office staff and everything that comes with it and the, the waiting room and the, the snacks waiting for um, your visit, things like that, that's, that's a big um, overhead savings for providers. And I think that once, um, you know, providers are business people as well, and, and they can figure out how to be more efficient um, and probably see more patients in a virtual environment than they can in a, a physical in-person environment and reduce some of those other expenses, which will help bring it down, I think, a little bit. No, that makes complete sense. Um, and when we talk about access, uh, you mentioned earlier in terms of some of the markets having um, potential network adequacy issues, and not necessarily for Banner and but just in general, right? The, there's patients all over the country, all over Arizona that um, are not necessarily in the easiest to reach places. Um, do you, I mean, have you seen this in person? Like, do you have um, the personal experience yourself of someone in that situation and how it was able to be fixed or not fixed uh, as the case may be through virtual care or maybe through expanded local clinics or expanded local lab work or, or you know, whatever the different options might be? Yeah. I, I don't have um, personal experience with that, but uh, we, we do have a, a cabin up in a rural county in the state here. And I, I do hear from people that live there. There's a, um, a hospital, a community hospital in that area, uh, but they have to come to down to Phoenix uh, if they need any kind of care. And you mentioned um, end-stage renal disease. That's a lot of back and forth and, and things like that. So I think that um, one thing that I have seen is more of a commitment from the larger systems, including Banner Health, to invest in some of those rural communities and uh, so that they don't have to be coming uh, 
coming back and forth. Like dialysis in some patients can be done at home and getting that set up so that they can have that that done at home and not be going back and forth, you know, a couple times a week to get their dialysis. There's um, also, like I mentioned, the the virtual access to specialty visits and you can get, you know, the best specialists in the state or the country um, to have a virtual con uh, consultation with you. And, and in, in most diseases um, that, that aren't, you know, acute where you have to cough for me and that kind of thing, um, or I need to, to, to feel you, um, they're really consultations in, in you know, history and, uh, and understanding what that patient's going through. And the, the technology now is so much better to enable that, uh, that and, and the willingness by health systems to do that, I think is really opening it up for, for everyone, but especially in those rural communities. If you had to pick uh, one item to say, hey, this is kind of my bugaboo, my, my big kind of pain point to, for me to, to provide that seamless healthcare, that seamless connection to my members, um, what do you think that still is today? You know, if, if I knew and, and if I really thought there was one thing that could do that, I think that's unfortunately, there's just not, it's too complicated. It's, it's far too complicated for there to be one thing. So you, we're, we're um, looking at the, the biggest pain points and that we hear about and addressing those. We just implemented, for example, one thing that drives people crazy, they know they have insurance, they go to get health uh, care, and then they start getting bills and explanation of benefits, and they have no idea how to reconcile them because they don't make sense because they're talking in different languages. We just implemented to address that something we call frictionless billing, where we connected and partnered with Banner Health to create a single statement. So we're not asking these members to reconcile and figure out their bills and their EOBs and what they owe themselves. It's a single statement, both of our names on it, insurance and health system agree that this, this is what the payments are. These are the discounts. This is what we paid. This is what you owe. This is what you already paid. Here's how you can set up a, a payment plan um, in one statement. So that um, you know seems like a simple thing to do. It wasn't. It took us two years, um, and that's with a, a partner that is you know highly uh, integrated with us. But it's a, it's a huge benefit because you know when people are sick, that's a hard thing to have to deal with is figuring out the financial part of it. Oh, completely. That's the last thing you want to think about, mm -hmm. right? How am I going to pay for it? You just want to get through it. Yeah. Um, and I completely understand having a consolidated statement, like the ease of that, just saying, yes. hey, what's the number at the bottom that I need to, yeah. what, what am I looking for? And, and you know that both are going to agree. You know, if you if you figure it out, then the the sometimes the, the provider will say, no, 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 that's not right. Or they, you know, they, they don't always uh, align. And that's, I think, the benefit is they align. We're telling you this is your single source of truth. And this is the bill. Oh, that's fantastic. Um, last, uh, last couple of questions, and I'll let you go. Um, as you think about your time with Banner Aetna and um, all the changes you've done, working for the good and the access of the members, which is amazing, um, what would you consider? What are you most proud of? What do you consider your biggest success? I, I I'm most proud of the things that um, create, you know, actual joy. In our, in our members that they express to us uh, that they are so pleased. They're always pleased that you paid their huge medical bill, 
But um, when, when they tell us that we went above and beyond and changed their lives, that those are the things that to me I'm, I'm most proud of and find most rewarding. Cause that's why I, I came to Banner Aetna was not to do just more typical insurance stuff, but to make a difference in people's lives. And that that's what I'm most proud of. And we've done that in a number of ways, working with Banner Health and bringing, you know, clinicians in to help members, to walk them through complex situations. And um, I mentioned the diabetes reversal program. We have a, um, a program called the, the Banner Aetna Kitchen, where we invite people in to learn over a 12-week period um, how to cook healthy and how to shop for it. And um, they cook and they have a meal and we have a dietitian talk to them and they ask questions. And um, that opportunity gets them connected with other um, health uh, practitioners that might might provide them with um, with some assistance. And they, they eat it up because it's not about medical care. It's about help me just be healthy. And I've tried to lose weight before. I've tried to do these things before, and I can't. Just help, help me, and that's what this program has done. So, um, you know, things like that just, and, and, you know, frequently we have people say, you have changed my life. This program has changed my life, and that's, that's pretty rewarding. Yeah, no, it's, I, I th- those are the ones that stick out to me too. When I get a patient story, like "Thank you for X," right, whatever that X happened to be. Is there a particular patient story or member story that sticks out in your brain that you're able to share with us today? You know, there's um, there's one kind of recent one that sticks in my mind just because I just heard of it, heard about it yesterday, and it's um, it, in our program that's uh, our multi multidisciplinary care team, which is very long. We call it MDCT where um, patients that have complex care needs or they, um, they're having difficulty um, following their, the protocol for, for whatever condition they have. And there's a, uh, and so we have all kinds of practitioners on this team and that's all they do is work with our members to help them. And this particular one, the member was having a very difficult time um, taking her medication properly and she had I don't know, seven or eight different medications um, because she did not have a good um, grasp of the uh, English language and um, she did not read well at all, at all. So she had a lot of trouble with that. So there's some, you know, embarrassment that comes with that as well. And um, we couldn't figure out why she was having, you know, wasn't complying with her medication protocol. And the, the pharmacist in talking with her about it kind of got this information and they figured out a way um, to color code her medications. So instead of having names on them and what they are, everything was color coded in a way she could understand it. And we had the pharmacy fill them. All of her refills are now coming to her in this color coded bottle so she knows what to do. So that, that sounds super simple. It's a super simple solution that costs nothing, but taking the time to help that person, um, you know, with, with the limitations that she had uh, to be able to become healthy. That's amazing. And actually, I'm actually surprised you say it costs nothing because I'm just imagining all the new labels and the colors and like the, the protocol versus just shipping out your, your yeah. medical prescription. Yeah, pharmacies, pharmacies are, are willing to do what, what they need to do to, to keep those, uh, those members. So, yeah. 
that's that's uh that's amazing and that's actually a new one i haven't heard that type of story where it was a communication issue but it was such a simple solution i haven't you know usually it's like a translator is brought in right 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 some people can't read though you know we know that and um they're they're the ones that have the the hardest time in uh with healthcare literacy in general yeah and what i love about this story is that it's an ongoing permanent solution she's she's not going to need someone to support her um on an ongoing basis she now has a way that she can take care of herself right uh, but but at the lovely. same time, she knows that she has this person. She has this team of people that's there if um, if she does need them. And they'll check in on her to make sure it's yeah. still working for her well. Yeah, that's great. Um, that's fantastic. And this is part of the virtual um, solution or this is a, this is an in-person? This this is um, our MDCT is um, it's at the choice of the member face to face or virtual. However, the member uh, prefers to interact. Um, and then the last question I had for you is the flip of that, which is what's been your biggest challenge or your biggest kind of frustration point in, in the last couple of years as you've taken on this new role? It's it's a challenge. I don't know about how frustrating it is, but it's it's a challenge we're, we're trying to address. And that is when we have these great programs that the one that helped this uh, member I just mentioned, the um, diabetes reversal, the learning how to eat uh, and cook healthy for yourself and your family. Um, we, we create and we develop these programs and it's, um, and we send information, uh, multiple ways by mail, by email, by text to members. And, um, it's, it's really has always been, and I think will always will be a challenge to get that member at the moment they need something to, to read it and to engage. So engagement is, I, I think, the biggest thing for us. We have these great programs, and if everyone eligible for them and everyone who could benefit from those programs did, th- their lives every day would be better. And it's it's, it's finding that holy grail of engagement, how, how we get them to, to read, to understand, to, to know, and to, um, to accept the help. Yeah, no, um, completely agree. It's I've seen this time and again in healthcare, I'm sure you did too, which is you can have the greatest solution since sliced bread. And if you can't get anyone to use it, it doesn't matter. Yeah. 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 And, and so often they'll say, well, if I had known that we had this, I would have done it a long time ago. And we, we sent you 30 emails. <laughs> but, you know, we get, we, we get so much information, you know, where everyone we're on information overload. So you, yeah. you absorb what you, what you need in the moment. No, that's exactly right. Well, thank you. I know we're actually at an overtime. Um, I've thoroughly enjoyed talking to you and hearing more about this. And I love the impact you're making for your members on a day-to-day as well as ongoing basis. So thank you for sharing that and, and your time with us. Thank you. Thanks for having me, Nina.